Hey, listener. Before we get into the good stuff, I just wanted to let you know, if you'd rather just get this entire audiobook at once and start listening to it immediately, just head over to my website at nickthacker.com audio. That's N-I-C-K-T-H-A-C-K-E-R.com slash audio. This is The Atlantis Stone by me, Nick Thacker, read by my friend with a much better voice, Mike Vendetti. Chapter 9 Unknown He blinked. Nothing. Am I dead? He blinked again, and the blackness surrounding him slowly became an image. Blurry at first, but gradually more clear. He had a splitting headache. Professor Jensen Andrews blinked again and slowly tried to sit up. The pain in his side was excruciating, and it took him a couple of tries to fully prop himself up on one arm and look around. He was in a room, all metal, with no windows or furnishings except for a bed and small toilet in opposite corners. The toilet and bed frame were metal as well. The bed held a thin mattress with several springs protruding from the top. Finally, his eyes were drawn to the floor. It was made of double-layered reinforced steel. And the only break in its smooth surface was a small square window, no more than a foot in diameter. The window was reinforced with vertical steel bars a few inches apart. Clearly, he was not intended to leave. Great. Jensen looked down at his body to see what was causing the pain in his side. His shirt, a white button-down with a pencil pocket, was opened to the waist. His lower torso was wrapped in a thick gauze bandage. The bandage had a small round dark stain just to the right of his stomach. He had been shot. The recollection surprised him. The area around the wound was tender, but for the most part the pain was isolated to the immediate area. He carefully probed around the spot, getting a feel of how severe it was. Suddenly he remembered the security guard saw perfectly in his mind the hole placed so precisely in the center of his forehead. He looked again at his own wound. Whoever had shot him was certainly the same person who'd shot the security guard. Yet he was still alive. Somebody wanted him alive. Needed him alive. Who? Just as the question crossed his mind, he heard a loud clang outside the door. Jensen looked up at the small window on the door. There was a brief pause, followed by a shifting sound, and then what could only be keys jangling. Somewhere inside the cell wall, a huge latch was lifted. 
The lock disengaged, and Jensen Andrews used all his strength to pull himself into a sitting position. From there, he struggled to stand up, just as the door swung open. His body cooperated, and he fully stood. The reward for his increased pain being nothing more than the benefit of looking his captor in the eye. Uncle Jensen, you're awake. A warm sounding young girl's voice addressed him. It's been almost four hours. I was afraid the sedatives you were given were too strong. Andrews blinked again, still not completely lucid. He rubbed his eyes and looked again. The person in the doorway was silhouetted by the light from the hall outside. He had recognized her voice immediately, and seeing her silhouette in the door proved his ears correct. But he still couldn't believe it was actually her. Uncle Jensen, I'm so glad you're okay. I've been so worried about you. They said you wouldn't be harmed, but when I saw you come in bleeding and all, I... She choked up. I thought they'd hurt you, she sobbed, entering the cell. He rushed forward, fighting the pain in his side to embrace his niece. Then he realized she wasn't alone. There was a large shadow just outside the cell door. A voice broke the silence. The boss wishes to speak with both of you immediately. Who are these people, Corrine? Jensen asked his niece. What do they want with us? And why was I shot? Did they hurt you? The questions came quicker than Corrine could respond. Uncle Jensen, I'm fine. They didn't shoot me, if that's what you mean. And I don't know why they'd want to shoot you, she said with an accusing glance back toward the doorway. They're interested in something they think you or I have. I don't know what it is, but I heard them talking about some sort of an explanation. They were suddenly interrupted as a hulking man strode in from the hall. Party's over. Let's go. His English had a slight accent, and Jensen thought it could be Eastern Russian. The man jerked a thumb toward the door and stepped back into the hall. Corrine supported her uncle with an arm, and they reluctantly followed. They fell in step behind the large guard. The second smaller man fell in behind, cutting off any chance of escape that way. Why bother, Jensen thought. The pain in his side was reminder enough that he didn't want to take any more chances with these people. At the end of the stark hallway, the group ascended a flight of stairs to a set of double doors. Another guard opened the doors, and as they passed through, Jensen felt the air get cooler. Once inside, they found themselves in a high-ceilinged room with a tiled floor, artificial lighting, and metal trim. It had the appearance of a large laboratory, but judging by the metal tables and chairs arranged in the center of the room, it looked like it was currently being used as a meeting hall. The tables were strewn with a variety of maps, papers, and equipment. Several more guards were milling about the room. The only person who seemed to notice their entrance was a man dressed in civilian clothes, who stood at the center table and greeted them warmly. 
Ah, Professor Jensen. Ms. Banks. It's good to see you. I've been expecting you. He smiled at them as the large guard took up a position to one side, blocking the exit. Please, pull up a chair. We've got some work to do. The man continued. He held out a hand as if greeting an old friend over drinks and a cigar. We have been working diligently for the past few months trying to plan our trip, but I'm afraid we've run out of time. He looked at Jensen. We needed to call in an expert. Professor Jensen frowned. You have a very indelicate method of calling in your experts. What do you want with me? The man smiled again. Jensen Andrews, 52 years old, native of Santa Fe, currently serving as Regents Professor of Ancient and World Studies. Your work in ancient civilizations, especially the study of prehistoric peoples, has always fascinated me. But recently you published a paper in a research journal called The Golden Civilization, the original discoverers of the number pi. Jensen looked at him, confusion settling on his brow. That paper had been a side project he'd had an interest in for some years, but nothing more than a notch on his belt. For his accreditations list, something to publish in order to keep his tenure, he'd spent a few months researching the golden ratio, represented by the Greek letter pi, the so-called golden ratio, refers to a mathematically irrational number, 1.618, and the ratio 1 colon 1.618. Jensen had written that this number appeared numerous times in nature, from the spiral shapes of some shells and mollusks, to the growth patterns of certain plants or trees, even in human anatomy. Many groups of people throughout history had recognized the ubiquity of this number and its ratio. Some groups had ascribed mystical properties to it, and some artists and architects paid homage to that mysticism by incorporating it into their work. Da Vinci, the Greek Parthenon, even in modern design, reflected in the layout of streets and buildings around the world. But the true roots of the number, rather the original discoverers of the ratio, were still unknown to modern historians. And it was this puzzle that Jensen had tried to solve in his paper. Results were compelling, yet many of his colleagues and contemporaries at the academic level dismissed the treatise as far too bold of an idea with too little supporting evidence. The work had been an interesting aside to his professional duties at the university, and it had helped him keep occupied during the previous summer. Still, even he didn't think the paper was definitive enough to warrant much attention after it was published. Professor Andrews, I feel that you would be a valuable asset to our team. My name is Dr. Tanning Pilosek, and I have spent the last 30 years of my life trying to find the solution to one problem. I believe you can help me solve that problem. Dr. Pilosek, I don't understand. What exactly is it that you're trying to accomplish? And why were we kidnapped? Corrine suddenly interjected. Why not just ask for help? Dr. Filosek didn't respond. Instead, he sat down and sifted carefully through a stack of papers on the table. With a large pair of tweezers, he gently extracted one document from the pile. It was old, very old. Two yellowed and crackling pages loosely bound together. 
He carefully slid it toward Jensen and Corrine. If in fact this item is one of a larger collection, we have underestimated intensely the gravity of the situation. As the men here have seen firsthand, the item has already shown some intriguing characteristics. On the first day of the month, we had placed the stone next to a wilted flower on the sill. Within the night, the flower had begun to heal. It was a most unexpected reaction, and we have since determined that the stone itself was the cause of this reaction. Jensen faced Vilothek, shocked. Where exactly is the item or stone now? Vilothek reached into his shirt pocket and withdrew a small rectangular box, no larger than a bracelet gift box or eyeglass case. He placed it on the table and slowly, deliberately lifted its lid. As the lid came off the box, a slight bluish glow emanated from within. It's beautiful, Jensen thought. Inside, resting on a bed of what looked to be cotton cloth, was a very small sliver of stone clear and mostly translucent. It was no larger than a common sewing needle, thinner at one end and rounding out into a head at the other, as if it had, in fact, been chipped off of something larger. The whitish-gray silver itself was hardly distinguishable against the white of the cloth beneath it, but the glow it emanated could not be missed. We've been running tests on the material for some time now, Vilasek explained and we know that it reacts differently with different elements. But for the most part, we have no idea what it really is. Obviously, one of the first experiments we ran was to measure its healing capabilities with small shrubs, like from the letter. It works better than we'd expected. Taking a completely dead, dried-out plant to a robust, exceptionally alive state Subsequent experiments with other life forms, unfortunately, have not been as successful. We've been able to resuscitate small mammals like mice and gerbils, but only for a limited amount of time. Each test subject showed a small flicker of life for a moment, but then immediately reverted to a state of death. For small wounds in larger animals, including humans, We've seen improvements in healing speed and have been able to replicate the material's effect in isolated instruments. For the most part, though, we believe this sliver of stone is just not large enough to cause any lasting regenerative effects for larger life forms. Melisek continued. Further, we've found that this element, whatever it is, bonds quite easily with almost any pure substance at least temporarily. That's how we know it becomes active in different states with different materials. His voice trailed off as Jensen and Corrine gazed at the small glowing sliver of crystal. Its beauty was certainly evident, however small it was. Vilasek let them gawk at it for a few more seconds, then called their attention back to the document in front of him. It appeared to be missing the second page but concluded on a third, offering some hypotheses the author had come up with to explain the stone's mysterious properties. It ended with a single symbol in the place of signature. It was the symbol of the golden ratio. 
fie. You see, Professor, Palacic said, there may in fact be some use for you here. Hey, listener, this podcast is a year-long journey, but I get it. Sometimes we're in it for the destination, not the journey. If you want it all at once, right now, without having to wait a year, grab it here, nickthacker.com audio. That's N-I-C-K-T-H-A-C-K-E-R dot com slash audio. Oh, and if you use the code PODCAST2021 at checkout, I'll give you another 20% off.